everyone. Welcome back or welcome to Multi-Housing News' Top Marketers Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kelly Shannon, Senior Vice President of Marketing and Customer Experience at Bazudo. She first joined Bazudo in 2013 and has more than 25 years of marketing experience under her belt. Before her marketing career, Kelly worked in accounting, having obtained a license as a certified public accountant and a Master of Business Administration from the University of Michigan. After making a pivot, her marketing career has taken her from consumer products to online travel sites. Throughout her tenure, Kelly's marketing tactics have been widely praised, and she has earned the title of Marketer of the Year by the National Association of Home Builders Multifamily Pillars of the Industry Awards. Kelly, I really am just so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And thank you for that introduction. That sounded amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I mean, you're the one that did the work. That's just, (laughs) that's just you. Um, So let's just get right into it. I would love to learn more. Just start off with about you. So what made you want to make a career transition from accounting to marketing? (laughs) Well, you know, I, I think you know, when you think of accounting, you think uh, sitting in a corner in a, at a computer all day long, not talking to anyone in a in a like dark closet of a space. And that is so not me. I did it for four, six years, um, two of which were in public accounting, which is auditing other people's books and, you know, making sure that there are no errors. And so that was my introduction to accounting on a professional level. And then I went into one of my clients as the assistant controller. Um, It was a nonprofit. And so it's a lot of, as you can imagine, kind of running the accounting department and checking it to make sure payroll is right and accounts payable is right and accounts receivable is right. And Mm -hmm. at a certain point, I said, you know what, this is not creative enough for me. It's, um, you know, it's a great kind of use of one side of my brain, but I was kind of eager to find the use for the other side of the brain and not in a creative accounting kind of way, because that gets you in trouble. So I, (laughs) I, uh, yeah. So I decided to go back to grad school. I went to the university of Michigan, as you mentioned earlier, and there, I mean, it's like the whole kind of world of options opened up to me in terms of the different disciplines and and career paths that one could go in to. I took a liking to the marketing path, if you will, and learned about brand management, which really is marketing, but it's also like being a general manager of a business because the brand manager sits at kind of the center of the business and interacts with all of the verticals around it, like finance and sales and manufacturing, if you're in a manufacturing organization and research and um, you know distribution. So it really gave me not only the opportunity to be creative and really have to understand like what's going on with the customer, what are they interested in, what drives them, but also um, be able to stretch myself into some of those other disciplines to be familiar enough to know what our strategy should be for, for the brand based on having worked with, you know, the head of sales and the head of, you know, the the production and you know, so forth. So it really just, it became such a, a nice way to take the, the accounting foundation and layer onto it another more creative and more, you know, holistic business vantage point that, you know, I was kind of looking for. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And once you said that marketing sort of caught your eye and that was the, the line that you wanted to go down, 
what did that evolution look like from graduating towards your current role at Bazudo? Yeah. So I, uh, the internship that I took in grad school was in brand management. It was for planners, lifesavers down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I got to work on the now and later brand. Um, and so from there, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's a consumer product that I know I, I actually grew up on that candy. <laughs> and I decided, okay, I like this. So I went, uh, I took a full-time job once school was over with Sarah Lee Bakery and I worked on the layer cake business, which was fascinating because, you know, to see those layer cakes being manufactured at the plant and to try and come up with different ways to ice the cake and different packaging to make it really stand out on the shelf and <laughs> compete against Pepperidge Farm. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I, um, that I was doing on that product that was so interesting. And then um, I went from there to a company called Marisant, which owned Equal Sweetener. I was there four years and really fascinating to me there. We're trying to reach group population um, segments that, for example, at that time, you know, what did they call diversity marketing or something like, I can't remember the exact word. I'm so old now, but it was, <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't this idea that we have today where we can you know, we can market to all different kinds of people based on their mindset, not based on their demographic. But um, back then we were very much like demographic pockets of consumers. And one of the fun things I got to work on was marketing to African-Americans. And it was because of their high propensity for diabetes and the product mm -hmm. Equal Sweetener allowed them to have, you know, sweetness in their lives without the impact of sugar in their bodies. And um, so, you know, I got to go on some fun cruises where we were, you know, um, taking celebrities on to raise awareness of the things that you could do with Equal Sweetener for cooking and baking. So it was just, it was different. It was creative. It was fun, but it also had a financial component because I obviously needed to do things that would drive the business forward. I needed to work within a budget. And so the accounting background came in handy for that. I pivoted from there to to decide, I decided to come back to the DC area and went to AOL, which for those who are as old as I am, they might remember it as America Online. Mm. Um, and they were interested in creating kind of a brand discipline within their organization uh, because it was a very product-driven um, company and they wanted to institute this idea of like brand at the center. And so I was there for three years, you know, Unfortunately, it was after the heyday where all the millionaires <laughs> had already made their money. So right. it, was on, it was on the downswing. But um, And then I pivoted into hospitality because the one thing about marketing and brand management is you can do it anywhere. It's, right. the, it's the theory and the strategy and the kind of discipline of it that can be applied across any industry. And so I took it to hospitality and I was there six years and worked on a lot of e-commerce related things, managing some strategic accounts like Expedia and Travelocity and Orbitz and helping the marketing team really understand how to market through those channels, which were very different for hospitality, very new for hospitality. It's much like in multifamily, the internet listing services, you know, the mm -hmm. apartments.com, the apartment.coms of the world. So um, did that for about six years and had an opportunity to go to Bazudo. had never ever conceived of multifamily as an industry or a career <laughs> path for me, didn't know anything about it. I had barely been a renter in my entire life. I'd rented for a semester in a basement apartment at apartment wow. grad school. Yeah, nothing sexy. I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing sexy. It never is. Uh, no, 
And uh, and so I went to Bizzuto and I was a director of marketing there and our team was much, much smaller. This was 10 years ago. I've been there now for quite some time. And um, it has just been an amazing experience. And we've grown, you know, rapidly and um, the team has expanded. Our our footprint has expanded. And so we've, you know, we've just had a, a really kind of exciting time adjusting to the changing demands in the market and then so forth. So, yeah. So that's where I am today. Got it. And through all of those experiences, which my goodness, in depth, I mean, you've just been all over the place. It's really incredible. How did that background in accounting work alongside those marketing tactics? And then also, how does it sort of work alongside specifically multifamily marketing tactics? Yeah, well, you know, accounting really, to me, is like putting a puzzle together, you know, mm-hmm. and it it's problem solving, because if you can't figure out why something isn't uh, isn't ticking and tying, you got to go back and kind of peel back the onion and find out where your, your, where your quote unquote mistakes are. So I think marketing, um, in order to be a really good and strategic marketer, you have to be a sound problem solver mm-hmm. and you have to not be afraid of numbers, especially in today's you know, way of looking at and doing marketing. You know, I, I, 20 years ago, I think people were like, oh, I put ads on TVs and I, you know, check the Nielsen numbers to see to see who's watching it or, or you know, what kind of, uh, or, or, you know, I ran awareness studies to see if people are any more aware of my brand today than they were yesterday. And that was, you know, that was kind of what people thought about. I did pretty ads. And today it is so much different. It's so much more analytical. It's so very digital. Um, you know, most I'm sure of us in multifamily are not running TV ads. You know, we're having to do things much scrappier, um, but have probably even a bigger impact than what, you know, than what some do in, uh, in the, in the media, so the television space. So I, I think it's just prepared me to kind of think differently and think strategically. And, you know, as I look at the organizations that I've been a part of, in my opinion, and I am a little biased, I do think that the marketers in the organization tend to be some of the most strategic thinkers mm-hmm. um, and problem solvers. You commented a little bit on the data there and how you're having to be analytical. Do you think that this is going to become more prominent in marketing as we go down the line? Yes, I do. Well, and it's also that everything is, um, you know, all of the platforms and automations and so forth are kind of driven by the the data, the technical input. So there's like the technology and then there's the data. And so you have to, I think your mind just has to think much differently than it used to have to think when you do, when you you kind of were a marketing marketer. And now we have to be able to show return on investment because one of the things that we know as marketers is that we're not overhead. You know, we are drivers of business and in order to really be able to say that succinctly and confidently, we have to have the data that shows we drove business. And so we have to be able to think about what are those metrics that will allow me to connect to the bottom line. So I may not be able to say I spent a dollar here and it produced NOI of X, but there are other kind of intermediate things that I can say that directly then contribute to NOI. And I think that's what, um, you know, being a solid kind of analytical thinker and data-based thinker um, does for us is it allows us to kind of confidently say we drove business, which mm-hmm. is what we should be, what we should be saying. That should be our, you know, our conversation in the uh, in the offices and, and the meetings that we're in. 
Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And so working in your accounting background for multifamily and working on analytics and foundation and data, I just wonder how does it look different marketing for multifamily real estate versus marketing at some of your past roles with a sweetener brand or in hospitality? You know, the discipline of marketing doesn't necessarily look different. I mean, at its core, you're You know, you want to understand your consumer inside and out so that you can influence how they think about your product. You want to make your product positioned really well so that there's, you know, there's, it it makes the choice to choose your product over someone else's really easy. Um, And so that piece, I think, is consistent across whatever market or industry you happen to be in. Um, The difference that I've seen as I've moved from industry to industry is where marketing sits in the organization. So interesting. When I, yeah. And, and this is where I have to be really careful because I don't want to step on any toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in my first industry, it was consumer packaged goods. And I mentioned that the brand manager was kind of the center. So if you think of a wheel, we were the hub. And then there were all the different spokes. As I've moved through the industries, believe it or not, marketing has kind of moved further and further away from the center of the wheel and become more of a spoke, which is so interesting to me. And the thing that I've, you know, I think back on is that the brand in a consumer packaged goods, like equal sweetener was the brand. You didn't want to do anything that would disrupt your brand. And so therefore you needed your brand manager to be kind of the steward of that brand and be working with the different disciplines Um, But nothing really happened without the brand managers kind of, you know, yep, I'm on board with that, you know. And um, I think it's different in multifamily. And we've, you know, we're working at Bazudo to make the idea of the brand very central. um, And then all of the disciplines, including operations, you know, become part of how we execute on the brand versus what I feel like I've seen in this industry is that operations is the center of the of the wheel and you know then you've got all the others around the uh the the spokes so it's a it's a shift and i think what it does it it really it's fine to do it that way if you are marketing a commodity brand right but when you're marketing a brand that you want people to choose every single time and pay a premium for then I think it has to be a bigger um, kind of more, I say this carefully, but it it needs to have much more focus on what is the brand communicating? What is the brand voice? What does the brand stand for? What does the brand mean to consumers? And then operations becomes obviously a very important way of executing on it, but it's not the only thing, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's obviously the front line for customer experience in many cases, but the digital uh, side is also a virtual front line for the customer experience. So you really, um, you know, there's a lot of things that have, I think, become as important and therefore need to be more central to the strategy versus a spoke of the strategy. Definitely. Now let's talk about Bazudo's brand specifically. And so I know you were saying, you know, the brand needs to be at the center. And so what does really that look like now for the goal of the Bazudo brand? And how are you shaping that brand to move forward? 
So we have this wild, crazy vision that Pizzuto will become a love brand. And okay. you know, some people might say, what's a love brand? And mm-hmm. so we, we've defined it. Our president um, has defined it as a brand for which consumers will accept no substitution. And so it kind of gives me chills to say that because that's an amazing place to land. Um, And when you think about the brands that you're loyal to, like I'm an Apple user, I would not even ever think about buying a non-Apple phone or Apple watch or maybe even Apple Air, you know, AirPods. I'm I'm kind of that rabid about it. Um, And so I don't even consider a substitution. Apple is a love brand for me, right? And I think, you know, it's probably safe to say that they're a love brand for millions and millions of people. Subaru is probably a love brand mm-hmm. for many, right? I mean, they just, they, they buy a Subaru and they keep buying them and keep buying them. So um, that's where we want to be as well. And you only get there from um, by having a consistent message, a consistent voice, a consistent level of service delivery, um, you know, a consistent way of just showing up in the world. And then I think also standing for something, you know, and that's, those are the things that we've really been dialed in on these last several years um, from the CEO of our company to the, of our broader Bazudo company to the president of our management company and, and beyond. So given your goal of Bazudo becoming a love brand, which is just an idea that I absolutely adore. And I have to say, coming from Colorado, I can promise you that Subaru is a love <laughs> brand. It's <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does that look like along the customer journey and for you shaping the brand? Yeah, so it's a good question. So, um, you know, we think about, so obviously Bazudo manages the majority of what we we do, we manage, we don't own, and we are a house of brands. So we've got 300 plus communities, we have 300 plus brands. And so what that means is that, you know, we don't have a building that is the Bazudo, and we don't have, you know, a portfolio of buildings that are, you know, the Bazudo. we have individual buildings, and those building brands need to be the hero at a certain point in the journey. So you can imagine if you're starting to look for a community to live in, you're going to go and start looking at, you know, Apartments in DC, you're probably going to land on one of the ILSs because they've spent the most to get you there. And then you're going to start to see all of these different apartment building names um, and neighborhoods and so forth, and you'll narrow it down. So you pick a few. And at that point, you're like, okay, I'm going to go look at 1331. It happens to be a spectacular property, by the way. Um, And so when you, you know, everything that you see up until a certain point in your digital experience, including the website for 1331, will be that brand. You may see a footer that says it's managed by Bazudo. You may see a page somewhere that says why Bazudo, because people do care, especially at the price points that some of these communities are, are renting for. They care about who's managing the property because that's who's taking care of them ultimately. And that's where Bazudo starts to show up. So if you think about other, we, we call it an ingredient brand at that point. So if you think about other brands like Gore-Tex, you don't buy a Gore-Tex jacket you probably buy a Patagonia jacket and it has Gore-Tex inside. I'm hoping that's right. Sorry, Patagonia, if it's not. But <laughs> it, you know, the ingredient is down feathers and that makes you feel like I'm going to be warm in the you know most extreme conditions, right? Or you buy a computer. My computer is a Dell. I've got an Intel processor. So Intel is inside. Intel is an ingredient brand to the overall Dell laptop experience. That's the way Bazudo views itself in 
that part of the journey is that we are an ingredient brand. We want people to feel good about coming to look at 1331 in this example, because they know that the management company is Bazudo. We've done a lot to build that brand. We've done a lot to manage our reputation. We've done a lot to create awareness. And so therefore you can be really comfortable with that decision point being checked off, right? So then as you get to the property, you start to see more Bazudo. So it's not just a footer on a website or um, you know, a footer on an email that you received, but you'll see it on the map potentially as you walk up to the apartment community. You'll see it on um, a windmaster. You might see it on the building banner, small in its appropriate place as the secondary brand, greedy ingredient brand, but you'll start to see it so that you will again be reinforced that, okay, this community is managed by this management company, in our case, Bazudo. When you go inside, our staff will have badges. You know, they usually have name tags that will have Bazudo. Um, the maintenance teams will wear uniforms that have Bazudo on them. The email addresses, all of those things are small touch points that remind you of the management company. And then, of course, our experience is we try to make it as consistent from property to property in terms of when you walk in the door, you should smell a scent that is very familiar. And usually it's the same scent from property to property. You should, you know, your all of your senses should kind of be ignited. You should hear some music. You should be greeted by someone who comes out or stands when you walk in the door. You, they should be friendly. They should start to learn your name as you, you know, if you're a resident, especially. There's going to be dogs that are going to stop at the concierge because they've always got dog treats. So there's all these little brand touch points that are reminders that you've made a choice to live in a Bazudo community. So that's when we're the ingredient brand. Or yes, you're not living there yet, but you're shopping it. When you become a resident, we say that that brand then becomes the service brand and the voice doesn't change. The experience doesn't change. But at this point now, you're dealing with employees that are Bazudo, right? And Bazudo is responsible for taking care of you and for creating events that create community. And so we're we're there in service to our residents. So it's a very nuanced um, change, but it does more so reflect where people are in their stage of the journey with us. Got it. And you mentioned sort of those different elements that I think contribute towards Bazudo being an ingredient brand and a service brand and also a love brand. There's a lot to cover here. Mm -hmm. How do you ensure that the same voice is present across all of these different means of creating one centralized brand? Yeah, it's, it is difficult and it becomes more difficult as companies get larger, as you can imagine. Um, because, you know, gone are the days where we could have everybody in a room and say, okay, this is how we do it, right? Mm -hmm. Or even send our trainers out to the field and say, okay, this is how we do it. And you can kind of see and, and touch them versus see them on a screen. Um, the, the virtual aspect of our new reality makes it more difficult. And then the size of the business makes it, you know, even more difficult. But we do have a lot of um, standards. We've got, we do a lot of communicating of those standards. We're in the process now of kind of republishing, um, freshening, refreshing and republishing them and retraining our teams so that they understand not just what they're supposed to do, but why we want them to do it. Um, because if you don't know why, then you're not going to really buy the what, you know, right. we've got, we say, all right, we want all the concierge to stand when someone walks in the door. Well, you know, you can imagine you're probably sitting and standing, sitting and standing 
quite a bit, especially during busy times of the day. And so some people might say, well, what, what am I doing this for? Like, this seems silly. But if you really understand that standing is a sign of respect, and it shows that you are ready and um, able to be of service, and, and that is your job is to deliver service and to make people welcome people home and to make them feel good about the choice that they've made to live with us, you will stand every single time, you know? Um, mm-hmm. be- because now you understand why, and it makes you feel like your piece in this whole puzzle of creating a love brand is an important piece. Well, it sounds like it's going to be really impactful and is already impactful. So I really yes. appreciate you sharing all of those elements that contribute towards it. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for joining me here today. I really just loved having you as a guest. I know our listeners will too. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you inviting me on. Of course. And to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to another podcast. This is Multi-Housing News' Top Marketers, and we'll see you next month.